Hi everyone, a quick note before we get into the episode. Though we are discussing our usual content, these episodes have been pre-recorded and Tess and I wanted to make a special note that we are in full support of and stand with Black Lives Matter. We both have personally donated to the movement, participated in local protests, and are actively sharing resources on our Instagram accounts. In addition to this, we recognize the need to incorporate more diversity. We are committed to celebrating all skin tones, and we are actively looking to feature more women of color from our industry on this platform. We want to use our voices to affect the change that we believe in. As always, thank you for listening, and without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Treatment Room with Tess and Lauren. We are back today, just me and Tess, and we're talking about summer skincare. So we wanted to focus on, as the season is changing, we wanted to focus on kind of how your skin reacts to um, the different weather and the different conditions that you might experience during the summer, such as, um, you know, obviously excess heat, chlorine and salt water, SPF, which one to choose, how often to reapply, all that kind of good stuff. So I think Tess is going to get us started. Yes. Hi, everybody. So first we want to talk about heat. We're just coming up on summer and Change of seasons can definitely kind of wreak havoc on your skin, but heat especially can be really problematic. It can lead to acne, dryness, dehydration, and I think acne is definitely one of the big ones. When it is super hot out, your skin can increase its oil production, so this is just a major trigger For acne, I know a lot of us are outside sweating. We might have layers of product on our skin, be it serum and moisturizer, sunscreen, makeup, and just creating that barrier with a lot of heat can just prevent oxygen from getting to the skin, causing that congestion and bacteria, sweat on the skin. That's another thing that leads to more acne and just over time can be a problem. So let's talk about some ways you can kind of minimize the damage from heat. A great way I think is to take colder showers and keep in mind it's kind of the the repeat heat exposure that is a problem. So if you're going to do a hot workout or just be outside in a super hot climate, say you live in the south, somewhere tropical, go ahead and take a cold shower after your workout. Cold tools are another thing I really like to implement in my routine. I love a cold roller, even a cold jade roller, or even ice itself is one of my favorites for keeping that heat under control. We have to remember heat is acne, acne is heat. So I try to do as much just cold to help calm that inflammation as I can. Yeah, I think that's important too. And also with like, as people are outside and working out or hiking or, you know, whatever the case is, we are still, you know, in the midst of the COVID pandemic. And so we're still, even though we're out more and things are starting to reopen, we're having to wear masks and stuff still. So I like, I did my first Pilates workout, um, since things have started reopening, I did my first Pilates workout the other day and had to wear a mask the whole time during the workout, which um, of course is great because it's safe. But I was sweating 
like <laughs> you can't even believe <laughs> underneath that mask. And so I think that's another thing that people are going to be experiencing in this summer in particular is, um, you know, having to wear a face mask while they're you know, I don't know if people would wear it out hiking, but if you're doing an outdoor workout or you're going to a workout class or something like that, the heat from the workout being trapped in that mask can, um, you know, potentially create some issues as well. Yes. Macne is, oh. is the new thing. <laughs> and the only thing like worse for your skin, worse for your skin than just the heat is the heat plus the friction. Mm-hmm. So it can be something like, like Lauren said, like a mask or even a hat if you're running outside, Mm -hmm. even a sports bra can lead to breakouts on your chest. So try to to wash the area, take a shower as soon as you can after Mm -hmm. the workout. Again, cold. And then another tip I have is using antibacterial and anti-inflammation ingredients like salicylic, for example, really will help to kill that bacteria. So maybe bring your salicylic toner with you to your workout and just do a little swipe right after so you don't have that bacteria and heat just sitting on the skin. Right, exactly. I think that's perfectly said. Another thing with the heat too is a lot of people will experience excess oil, but sometimes you can also get the dehydration of the skin as well. So depending on what your skin type is, Um, I think it's super important to make sure that you're hydrating your skin, but focusing more on light hydration ingredients, such as um, hyaluronic, as opposed to like your heavy moisturizers that you'd be using in the wintertime. Absolutely. And it's even normal to see kind of a combination of that dehydration and acne if things just aren't overall balanced. Mm -hmm. So you may sort of have to treat different areas of the face differently. I know myself, for example, I get, I have really sensitive skin around my mouth and my nose. So I will avoid, you know, applying my super active acne kind of ingredients in those areas and just kind of, you know, customize my routine based on where my skin is at day by day. Right. I think that's perfectly said. Um, And speaking of kind of more sensitive areas and sensitive skin, we next wanted to talk about chlorine and salt water and how those can affect the skin. Because, you know, obviously in the summer, we're all swimming in the pool more often. If you live by an ocean, you're going to be going in the ocean more often. And these each pose their own unique, um, I guess, issue with the skin. So chlorine, for instance, obviously is a harsh chemical. It's used to, you know, disinfect pool water and make sure that it's safe and clean for everyone to be in. Um, But that being said, it can be really, really, really harsh on the skin um, for anybody's skin type, but especially if you have sensitive skin. Yep, absolutely. So I think between the two, salt water and chlorine, just bear in mind how, you know, harsh chlorine really can be on the skin. And if you do have hypersensitive skin from a pre-existing condition like psoriasis or eczema or dermatitis, the chlorine exposure will will likely make it make it worse. So mm-hmm. bear that in mind. It can really have an effect on dry skin, can create a rash and just exacerbate any of those pre-existing conditions. Mm -hmm. Well, and especially if you don't know like what the, what the concentration of the chlorine is. And obviously we don't know that just right off the top of our head by going to the pool. But I was telling Tess earlier today about this girl that I met last weekend who was 
long story short, she was telling me that she was at a pool. Um, she was standing in the pool for a little while. She had like the bottoms of her hair kind of, you know, in the water for a little while. And, um, she, when she came up out of the water, her tips of her hair were like neon blue. Like I've never seen before. Normally with blonde hair, you know, it tinges it a little bit of green, but with this girl, she showed me a photo, you guys, it was like, so, so neon blue, like I've never seen from chlorine before. So this whole story is just to say, you don't always know what the concentration is, what they're using in the pool. So just be really careful of, um, you know, if your skin starts to feel itchy, or if you feel irritated, then rinse off as soon as you can, because they can really just create, you know, sensitivities and, and issues within the skin that can be easily avoided. Absolutely. Yeah. I think if you, if you're going to, in pool water, just bear in mind there are ways to limit that chlorine irritation, like Lauren said. Definitely rinse off right away as soon as you can. I also kind of in doing some research saw that applying vitamin C to your skin after the exposure to chlorinated water chlorinated water can neutralize the chlorine, Ooh. which is pretty amazing. We That's love our vitamin C. Yeah. And also get that antioxidant antioxidant protection from the sun. Um, Keep up with your moisturizing, hydrating the skin Mm -hmm. right after you rinse. And just bear in mind, if you have to choose between salt water and chlorine, Mm -hmm. I think salt water is definitely the lesser of the two evils. We'll talk about salt water a little bit because Lauren and I were doing a little research for this episode and it was just kind of interesting. So we found out salt water actually can have some benefits. Mm-hmm. It naturally contains vitamins, amino acids, and minerals like magnesium, potassium, and sulfur. So it can actually be really therapeutic. If you guys have ever like, you know, spent a day at the beach and floated around in the ocean, you you come out feeling so much lighter. And it's I was talking to Lauren about how it's a little similar to my Epsom salt baths at night. Um, So that can be actually really relaxing on the body. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of the key here, though, is just that moderation and limiting that exposure. And yeah, just making sure you're you're giving your skin plenty of hydration afterwards, maybe some aloe-based ingredients and always rinsing with a gentle cleanser after your day in the sun. Yep. Perfect. So next up, let's talk about SPF because I know this is a question that we've been getting a lot recently um, Mm -hmm. as far as like what SPF do we like, what do we use, all that good stuff. And first of all, I want to say I hope that all of you that are asking these questions (laughs) are using SPF in the winter as well, but it makes me wonder. Um, But so with SPF, this is, SPF is a big, big, big topic. And I'm sure Tess yeah. and I could talk about it for a really long time. But basically there's, um, when, you, when you get down to the active ingredient in an SPF, you have your mineral, um, like physical blockers, and then you have your chemical blockers. So the basics on, on how those work is the mineral physical blockers. It's literally like a shield on top of your skin, the UV rays cannot penetrate the skin at all. They just bounce right off. Um, mm-hmm. And with a chemical blocker, it is your skin absorbs the UV rays, but the SPF provides this chemical reaction that neutralizes them so that they're not harmful. So just to yep. give you guys a little overview. Yep. So 
I know it's kind of, it can be tricky finding an SPF that, that works, but I heard this actually at the San Jose Skin and Body Show when I was listening to one of the speakers and he said, the best SPF is the one you will wear. And mm-hmm. that's always stuck with me because, you know, some skin may react differently to mineral versus chemical, but it may take a few tries to find something that works for your skin, but it's certainly worth it. I've talked to so many skin professionals, dermatologists, estheticians, and they all agree SPF is the number one thing you can do for anti-aging. So it's so important. Um, And I think you have to even bear in mind that you want to pay attention to those areas that you might otherwise neglect. I know decollete is a big one Lauren and I Mm -hmm. talk about a lot that we forget. Um, Tops of hands. So Sometimes it, you might just have to kind of think of ways to kind of trick yourself, maybe keep your SPF in your car so you can reapply your sunscreen when you're driving, um, apply your SPF before you get dressed so you're less prone to those, those yeah. UVA and UVB rays on your chest, and just in general, reapply every two hours. It's it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're going to be outside hiking or exercising or, you know, if you're going to the pool or the ocean, it's like you you have to wear SPF. And I was the biggest culprit, like being from Southern California, I was the biggest culprit of going into the sun for the longest time without sunscreen. I would always put it on my face just because my face tend would always have a tendency to burn. And this is obviously you guys pre-esthetician days. This is like when I was a teenager, (laughs) but I would go in the sun without sunscreen all the time. And it's like, it's just so, so detrimental to your skin. So I know that, you know, if you're going to lay out in the sun, the goal is to get a little tan, which I love as well, but you have to protect your skin. I mean, there's, there's no point in being tan and pretty now, but like having skin cancer down the road. So making sure that you're, I love the putting it on before you put your swimsuit on or before you put your clothes on, I think is, is a huge, huge, huge thing because then it just feels like you're putting on a body lotion. You're going to get it everywhere. So if you um, change your shirt or, you know, you're, you take the straps off your sun, your swimsuit or whatever the deal is, you're still covered for those areas. Yeah. And if you, if you can wear a hat, if you can wear something with sleeves that physically protects you from the sun, the more power to you, honestly, just remember that tan skin is damaged skin. And there's no, unfortunately, there's no such thing as just like a little healthy color. It's not healthy at all. (laughs) A little base tan. There's no such thing. And Lauren and I are are the most guilty. I used to go in tanning beds before I was an esthetician in my Mm -hmm. sorority days. I think I've told you guys about this, Mm but, um, it's like, you can't get those years of damaged skin back, unfortunately. And you, you may see the results down the line. I know I've had family members who've had cancer removed. It's just, it's so not worth it. Mm -hmm. I know when Mm -hmm. I was younger, I've, I've only been to a tanning bed a few times, but the re- the whole reason I went to a tanning bed when I was younger was because I was breaking out on my back really bad. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, the sun will kill yeah. it and, and all this stuff. So I went to a tanning bed a few times, just got absolutely roasted by this. It was like a stand-up tanning bed. So I'm like standing there with my arms up, just getting, oh my God, I like cringe yeah. thinking about 
those lights, especially on my face. Like I am, I'm so OCD. I I still love going to the beach and the pool and being in the sun. I really just, you know, as taboo as it is, I love the sun. However, my face, you will, you can ask any of my friends, you will never catch me with my face (laughs) in the sun. (laughs) Like literally never. And to be honest, you guys, I credit my melasma for making me so diligent about that because I have the type of melasma that like if I'm in the sun, even with sunscreen on, if I'm in the sun for a few minutes, my melasma darkens up. And I absolutely hate it. I work too hard and I spend too much money (laughs) on these serums to let it go like that. So always sunscreen, always a hat on the face and thank God for my melasma. Otherwise, I don't think I would be as, as strict as I should be. To be fair, Lauren, I've never noticed you have melasma. Oh my God, thank you. Never. Like the nicest thing you could ever say, but yeah. yeah you know, no, I've never. That you like, you see on yourself yeah. and you're like, oh my God, this is like a neon red sign on my face. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Really. No, yeah. I've never, never thought that once. Oh. Um, but yeah, even if it takes vanity, like remind yourself guys and girls, like sun is breaking down your valuable collagen that we work yeah. so hard. And you can't get more of that. I mean, you can no. kind of, if you spend a lot of money and get all these right. treatments, but like, you know, it's not one of those things that's just going to regenerate itself. Like you have a certain amount of collagen that you need to, to last the rest of your life. So think about yes. that. Yeah. My esthetician teacher used to phrase it this way. She would say, okay, take a piece of paper, crumple it up and then try to, and then, you know, oh, look at it to back it to out. normal. Well then just open it, look at it and, and just realize like you can never make it the same as it was before you crumpled it mm-hmm. up. Like mm-hmm. you can't restore it once you've put it through that damage. Yes. There's things you can do to stimulate fibroblasts and reproduce collagen, but it's really hard to get it back once you've put it through all that damage. So, so yeah, where your SPF, there are, you know, so many different types. My, my favorite, since some of you have asked, I'm really liking the Elta MD sunscreen right now. It is mineral protection. I find it does not break me out. I believe it has niacinamide, really great Mm -hmm. ingredient for minimizing acne and and tightening the skin and minimizing pores. Um, So I've I've really found I like that. And I know a lot of my clients love it, no matter the skin type. If somebody's breakout prone, I typically really recommend that one because I don't see it um, cause any problems. Lauren, what what are your favorite SPFs right now? So... I feel like I've tried every SPF in the book from Supergoop to Biosans to Elta MD, like mm. so many different kinds. Right now I'm using the new one from Biosans that they just launched. It's the um, Sheer Physical or something like mm. that. It's, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's zinc oxide only. There's no other active ingredient. So it's just zinc, um, which normally is like super heavy and white and chalky. Like zinc is yes. you know, the number one culprit for that. But I don't know what they did to this sunscreen, but it goes on smooth and clear. I mean, it's a little greasy feeling, um, if you ask me, but not so much that I wanted to return it or anything. Um, so I love that. I'm really liking that one, especially if you have a drier skin. I think this would be a really good one. Um, yeah, but, I think this squalene probably helps it be just like a little bit more blendable. Mm-hmm. And yeah. at least that's a light, very, very light plant-based 
pretty low comedogenic type of oil. So yeah, exactly. And I use it in the morning. I use it. um, Well, depending on how my skin is feeling, but if my skin feels pretty balanced, I'll just use that as my moisturizer and sunscreen kind of combined because it it. is, yeah, with the squalene, it's like perfect. So I love that one. I also do love Elta MD just like as a brand in general, because they have so many different types of SPF, like so many different specific formulations. It's like almost overwhelming, but if you go to um, derm store or something, you can get really good recommendations, but they ha- pretty much have a sunscreen for everybody. So if, I, I always recommend Elta MD for sure. I think that one is such a good go-to for everyone. It yeah. seems never met anyone who doesn't like that sunscreen. Same. So that's, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about a few ingredients to potentially look out for, mm-hmm. and we'll kind of wrap this up because I think there's a lot of confusion around sunscreen. Yeah. So. Well, because there's yeah. so many different like active ingredients and. Right. And, and I, they all are so long. <laughs> right. Exactly. And they all sound similar. You've got oxybenzone, avobenzone, octinacate, like all these different things. So personally, when it comes to like ingredients, I try to stick to physical, um, yeah. which is zinc or titanium dioxide, just because. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally feel they're safer. I've heard that they um, are better for people with melasma because, again, your skin doesn't need to absorb the UV rays. It's literally just a shield so your skin doesn't ever deal with it. But um, some of the chemical SPF ingredients that you'll see, such as oxybenzone or avobenzone, that retinal palmitate, that kind of thing, um, they have a bad rap as far as hormone disruption and, um, you know, being damaging to the endocrine system, all this stuff. But they also have um, a bad rap when it comes to the environment. So that was something that Tess and I wanted to talk about briefly, especially in the summer. People, and I don't know how much traveling anybody's going to be doing this summer, but it's good to know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you're going somewhere tropical, if you're going to Hawaii or um, the Bahamas or, you know, wherever that you're going to be swimming in the ocean and there's a reef present, Um, You have to be really careful because um, these chemical SPFs are really damaging to coral reefs, especially if you think about how many millions of people go into the ocean, you know, every single year and they're all wearing a ton of sunscreen, which is great, protect your skin, but we also need to protect the reefs. So um, look for sunscreens that are reef safe. And generally that's going to be sunscreens with only zinc. They, some, some sunscreens with titanium dioxide are okay. But they do say the high high concentrations of titanium dioxide are um, are toxic to the reef. So it's like it's kind of that gray area of like a small amount is okay, but a large amount is not. And if you think about how many people go in to the ocean, even if they're all wearing, you know, just a small amount of titanium dioxide, could it potentially, you know, be toxic? I think so. So look for something that says reef safe and ideally just has zinc in it, and that will be your best bet for protecting the reefs and the oceans. Beautifully said. Okay. Maybe we can transition on to pigment. I know we touched on it a little Mm -hmm. bit with Lauren talking about her melasma, but pigment is such a broad category. I mean, it can mean sunspots. It can mean freckles. It can mean, you know, PIH from, pimples and Mm -hmm. acne trauma it can be melasma and I'm sure a lot of you have your own experiences with hyperpigmentation 
I think everyone encounters it. And it is one of the, the hardest and most frustrating things to treat, but there definitely are some things you can do. Let's talk about a few of those things. Okay. I know antioxidants and vitamin C are one of the most important, and that is something I recommend for everyone. Vitamin C, I think it can be a bit tricky when just finding one that works for you. I've talked about this on my YouTube channel. I did a whole video on vitamin C. There are so many different derivatives. There are acid versions like L-ascorbic acid. There are more gentle buffered versions like magnesium ascorbyl phosphate. That's a little bit more of a like a slow release. So that would be ideal for somebody who is breakout prone or sensitive. So just like SPF, it it could mean trying out a few and finding one that works for you. I will say it vitamin C just like vitamin A or more active ingredients, it's something you want to incorporate slowly and just start with a smaller, with a lower percentage of vitamin C and work your way up with it. And I I generally think magnesium ascorbyl phosphate or a non-acid version, professional grade is my preference for vitamin C, um, is the best way to kind of start off with it and just slowly increase your percentage from there that is going to offer so much protection from the sun, from different environmental damages. So that is one of my must-haves for just every day and especially summer, vitamin C and your sunscreen. Yeah. And I think that when it comes to vitamin C, even though it is, you know, kind of a process to find the right one, I think that it's, first of all, like nothing is more worth the effort than finding a good vitamin C because it, it's so it's so beneficial, but it's also one that like you would really benefit from speaking to a professional and having a professional look at your skin, um, and that way they can guide you in the right direction. Do you know what I mean? Instead of just like, you know, starting you know hard in the paint with like an L ascorbic acid twenty percent. Obviously, that's not going to be the best for most people. Um, but so having an an esthetician guide you in the right direction and say you know your skin can definitely tolerate an L ascorbic acid, but start slower. Or your skin's super sensitive, so let's start you um, on something a little more gentle. So I think it's definitely definitely worth the investigation and finding the right one. Absolutely, could not agree more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so summertime is, I think, kind of like the most prevalent time for pigment to kind of ramp up. Mm-hmm. It's it's the sun, it's heat in combination with your own hormones that can, can do the damage. So yeah. yeah, vitamin C, vitamin A, retinol, mm-hmm. peels a laser that may be right for you, for you, those can all help kind of reverse the signs of pigment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with all that being said, if you are going to be doing treatments like chemical peels or lasers or anything more invasive during the summertime, you have to be so, so like beyond careful that you're not exposing yourself to the sun. And I mean, even with sunscreen on, it's like, you have to wear a hat, stay in the shade, like avoid heat as much as possible just because if you are doing a treatment but then you're just going straight back into the sun you're going to be doing more damage than if you had never done the treatment in the first place exactly 
And so, and then also I wanted to touch on heat a little bit because this is a big one, um, especially for myself as somebody with melasma. I think heat is something that isn't, um, isn't as widely known as a trigger for melasma as like the sun is. Because everybody knows if you have melasma, you go out in the sun, it's going to make it worse. But heat is also a really big one. And it's not even just like being outside in the heat. It could be something as simple as like, you know, going to a you know, hot yoga or just doing a workout where you get overheated. Like if your face is red, um, you know, heat in the skin can come internally or externally, but it's a huge trigger for melasma. So if you can obviously avoid saunas, um, steam mm-hmm. rooms, maybe don't go to hot yoga either. Like yeah. try to minimize heat as much as possible if you do suffer from melasma and it will help tremendously. Another thing that's a little bit similar to, to the heat, and this is research we're just kind of finding out, is that even just light on its own, especially ultraviolet rays and blue light, mm-hmm. are we're now really realizing is problematic. So back to the SPF. So we even have to wear our SPF indoors, not only to protect us from windows, but from our cell phones and our mm-hmm. computer screens. Um yeah, we're finding the visible blue light that that comes from the sun, screens, fluorescent and LED bulbs can really drive the reaction um, and create more pigment. Oh my God, just put me in a dark room. (laughs) I'm like, I literally feel like, oh, this melasma will be the death of me. I think the thing is pigmentation, it needs to be a little bit more normalized because I agree. It's so normal. And I, I posted a little picture with my freckles on my Instagram the other day, Mm -hmm. um, just because I was reminded of when I was 10 years old and I had a face full of freckles and I remember rubbing lemon. Do not recommend this by the way, guys. (laughs) I was doing a little peel, like, Little did I know, future Esty, but rubbing lemon all over my face, trying to get rid of these pigmentation spots um, because I just felt so insecure about it. And it's just, there's never going to, I mean, if you have a perfectly clear complexion without a spot, amazing for you, but it's just not normal. So just be, don't be so hard on yourself. Be gentle with yourself if you have um, a little pigment. Something I read, which was really interesting, was that your pigment is actually, it really has good intentions. Your skin's melanocyte cells pump out that pigment when they get triggered by those inflammation instigators like sun, irritation, estrogen, mm-hmm. heat, free radicals. Um, and then it's producing that melanin. Your skin actually has antioxidant properties and that's why it's producing it. Um, so it's, it has good intentions in yeah. fighting all that stuff off. So maybe we can just bear that in mind and kind of embrace it a little bit yes. more. Yes. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there's, I've seen the movement um, and I stand behind it, the um, uh, like normalized skin texture, you know, mm-hmm. and, which I think is mm-hmm. amazing because with Facetune, everybody is smoothing out every pore line, like everything that they have. But I I think pigment falls into that same exact category as well, because, you know, we all 
have some level of pigment. And like when I see freckles, I'm like, oh my gosh, how cute. But then like I see <laughs> my own pigment and I'm like, that's disgusting. You know what I mean? So it's right. like, you just, you know, everybody, it's skin and skin is doing its thing. And there's, you know, certain factors that can make it do different things you know, with different people. So it's, yeah, I think that that's a really important part and probably something I need to tell myself more often. It's just that like, you know, it is what it is. I even had somebody tell me one time that, that I had mentioned my melasma or something, you know, probably in a self-deprecating way, <laughs> but I had like <laughs> mentioned my melasma and, and this guy was like, Oh, I thought, it, I thought you just had freckles. And I was like, okay, I'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I promise like no matter what you are seeing, mm-hmm. it's, it's just so much worse from your own perspective than anyone else's seeing. Yeah. So, you know, do what you can. I'm also really loving my derma roller for, um, for pigment as well. That's been one of my favorites in quarantine mm-hmm. for, yeah, it just pushes that collagen as long as it's a good quality professional one. And it's really helpful for pigment as well. Great for melasma. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you get better um, absorption from your products and everything too. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's definitely a really great like newer development as far as tools that maybe maybe something to consider if your pigment is really, really bothering you. Mm-hmm. So next, we wanted to talk a little bit about sugar and alcohol, all the fun treats you might be having Mm -hmm. on your summer, which enjoy them. We're all human. But I just want to talk a little bit about why sugar can be harmful to the skin or things like alcohol that have a lot of sugar just inherently in it. And the key here is glycation. So when sugar... When you ingest sugar, it depletes our collagen. So that can result in things like dullness, dehydration, more inflamed acne, fine lines, of course, creates just more susceptibility to pollutants, irritants, and sun damage. And it can also result in candida overgrowth. So things like rashes, Mm -hmm. lesions, keratosis pilaris is a big one. I see just like that little almost like chicken skin on the tops of arms. I get it quite a bit if I'm um, having too much sugar. It's a a really obvious flare-up that I notice. Mm -hmm. Um, Also pustules or just flaky texture. So it's your body, it's your skin. Um, But also just bear in mind that that sugar can have potential consequences on the skin. Yeah, I think glycation is something that isn't talked about very much um, when it comes to sugar and skin, which is weird because it's, um, you know, it's such a huge prominent thing. But glycation basically just like accelerates the aging process, which right. obviously none of us want to do. No. <laughs> but I mean, that's also not to say don't enjoy you know, your, you know, cookies or whatever you want, if you're having, you know, a treat at the barbecue or um, something like that, but just be, just be wary of it. And also the whole, the thing about, um, you know, inflaming yeast is also a big thing Mm -hmm. that isn't, I think, so widely known. No. And that can even have impacts on your, on your gut health. So Mm -hmm. treat yourself, but you know, just, just know the, know the potential effects. And I think that can also be helpful for you Estes when you are 
working on somebody's skin and trying to understand, you know, where certain reactions may potentially come from. So we hope this information helps. The same goes with alcohol because alcohol breaks down into sugar in your body. Um, plus alcohol is just a very um, inflammatory type thing to ingest. So being wary of how much alcohol you're consuming and also what types, like we all know that there's certain things that are better. Um, from my understanding, I know that, you know, obviously like a good red wine is going to be the best option as far as alcohol and health goes. So it's got the antioxidants and all that good stuff that's great for your heart health and, um, and all that. And maybe, maybe a little less on the sugary margaritas, even though those are my favorites. Yeah. And even with the wine, I think it really depends on the quality because yeah. wine it does have, you know, some, some benefits, but it can be really high in sugar mm -hmm. plus the alcohol. I can actually, I see how it can affect the skin with a lot of my clients who are frequent wine drinkers and some wines are actually like quite dirty with the, with the fillers and the added sugars. Mm -hmm. And there are more bio biodynamic, cleaner wines. I'm not a nutritionist, so I won't get into it too much, <laughs> but even things like uh, tequila or just a vodka without, you know, without a, sugar. without, yes, pouring soda in, maybe you just have it with a little lime, mm -hmm. dilute it with some water or soda water, mm -hmm. that can even be a little bit of a cleaner option. So I think just understanding how you can kind of lessen. Yeah, because you can still enjoy all of these things, but it's just being mindful um, in how it's affecting you and affecting your body. Totally. Yeah, cool. So I think that's important. Definitely important, something to cover because in, you know, in the summer, we're all out at the pool or the beach and having a few drinks with our friends or a barbecue. And that's like one of my favorite parts about summer is just like being oh. outside, having good food and a couple of drinks with friends. So I definitely don't shy away from that. But, you know, just kind of, you know, know what you're in for. That sounds amazing. Yes. Lauren, we deserve a cocktail. I know. Oh. I know. Oh. I haven't had one in, in months. I've been really good, but I had like a glass of wine like a few days ago, <laughs> but that's like been it for, for like quarantine. I haven't really been drinking at all. That reminds me like some people, they like the effects of the glow. Mm. Um, like Devin Windsor, Victoria's Secret model says she will drink wine before a photo shoot because it kind of like revs up her circulation. Oh she gosh. feels like it gives her a glow. And it also depends on even like your background and the individual, certain people don't have the enzymes to break down alcohol. Mm -hmm. I know it's really common amongst Asian people um, that like Asian glow mm -hmm. is because they're not able to properly break down the alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Really Just being aware. That's so funny though, that she would drink wine before a photo shoot for the glow. Cause yeah. I always feel like when I drink, um, you know, wine or have a couple cocktails or something. I, I get the glow, but I, for me, it feels more like just like weird redness. I know. I'm <laughs> like, it, it, it would look good. Like that would benefit you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. So I think next up, we're going to talk about climate and water quality. And this kind of goes hand in hand with like when you're traveling during the summer, which again, I'm not sure that 
anybody's going to be doing a ton of traveling this summer. But if you do have a trip lined up that you're going to go on, if you're going somewhere that's going to be, you know, a vastly different climate from what you live in, for instance, going from like a dry climate to, um, you know, like a humid tropical climate that can really mess with your skin. So just being aware of where you're going and how to prep your skin, your skincare routine accordingly. So for instance, if you're going from a dry climate to like a humid climate, you're going to want products that are lighter on the skin. You're still going to want to hydrate, of course, but there's so much water already in the air when you're in a humid climate that you don't need a ton of extra hydration and oils and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So less is more when you're going somewhere that's going to be tropical. If you're going to Hawaii or Florida or, you know, wherever else you want to kind of keep it minimal. And also, but also I will say on that same kind of note, don't change your routine too drastically. If you're traveling, maybe just cut back on some of the heavier products. Yes. Yes. And then on the other side, when it comes to environments that are super low humidity, or even if you're just getting on an airplane, Mm -hmm. bear in mind that in that environment, it's extremely low humidity, less than like 20% humidity in the air, which can lead to dehydration and dryness. Um, And that's because the dry air is seeking moisture wherever it can get it. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take it out of your skin if it can. So maybe when you're, you're getting on an airplane, you may need a little bit more layers of hydration, Mm -hmm. um, to kind of create that barrier, a little bit more occlusion. So maybe you wear a little face oil over your moisturizer and then your sunscreen. Um, I know some people, even wear like mineral makeup on a flight just for an added barrier of protection. So maybe just kind of adjust accordingly based on where you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think one kind of like hero product for travel is a alcohol-free toner. I mean, always right. essential in a routine, but I think especially when you travel, things like the environment and the water, especially the water, pH can vary so drastically. So it's really important you have that toner in your routine to just bring everything back to normal before you go into the rest of your routine. Yes, I think that's a perfect point. And the other thing we wanted to talk about in regards to like traveling and being in a different area is water quality. Because water, I mean, it changes so drastically based on where you are. Um, for instance, where my mom lives in Palm Springs, it's, it's what they call really hard water. It's got a lot of minerals, um, in it. So it can be really harsh on the skin and harsh on the hair. So keep that in mind wherever you're going, um, and bring a really good toner to help, um, to help balance your, balance your pH and make sure that your skin isn't, you know, really freaking out while you're, while you're away from home kind of a mouthful, but a lot of good tips, hopefully for you guys, you can go have your hot girl, hot guy summers. Heck yeah. Heck yes. (laughs) I can't wait to go outside and do something. Yeah. Normal. I know. I know they're starting to open up like patios and rooftop restaurants here in Denver. So I'm like, I'm dying to, I saw my friend go get a cocktail the other night outside at a rooftop. I'm like, I have to go this weekend. That just sounds so fun. Like getting putting on a cute outfit and your yeah. SPF and your hat and just have like maybe this 
is just going to allow us to really appreciate these little things. Oh, I completely (laughs) agree. I completely agree. So I hope everybody enjoyed this episode and got some good tips out of it. Um, Let us know if you guys have any questions or any feedback for us. And I hope that everybody has a great weekend. And if restaurants are open where you are, I hope that you can go out and enjoy a nice night. Alrighty, guys. We love you so much. Thank you for listening. And we will talk to you in the next episode. Bye.